welcome to Science is Fun E. I'm your host, Private, aka Avery Adams. I'm nine years old and currently out of the fourth grade, going into fifth. Joining me today is Skipper, aka Craig Jeringi, who is going bold and forgets things. Yeah, funny, <laughs> Private. Kind of funny, Skip. Private, I'm really upset that Pluto isn't a planet anymore. I grew up learning the nine planets, and now there's only eight. It doesn't seem right to me. Because you're old. Really? That's all you got? Because I'm old? That's pretty lame. Have a little compassion. Skipper, it is because you're old. Old people really hate to change their minds about stuff. And you told me that science is all about change. We build new things and learn new stuff, and that changes what we think. You always say things change, and that's the only thing that doesn't change. But, but poor Pluto... Skip, it's a cold rock far away. Get over it. I went on NASA's website, and they say that there used to be three things for something to be a planet. Really? What were they? Well, they used to think that in order to be a planet, it must, one, orbit a star or our sun, two, it must be big enough to have enough gravity to force it into a ball-like shape called a sphere, and three, it must be big enough that its gravity cleared away any other objects the same size near its orbit around the sun. So, tell me more. It seems to me that Pluto does fit those three things. Let's do some research on NASA's website to learn more. Okay. See, Skip, our knowledge of the solar system has changed over time. The ancient Greeks counted on our moon and sun as planets. They only knew about Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. They hadn't discovered Neptune or Uranus. They didn't even think our Earth was a planet. The Earth wasn't a planet? Yep, they thought the Earth was in the center and all other planets orbited around us. I guess things have changed a lot since then. What made them think that the Earth wasn't at the center? It really does seem so. You know, when you look up at the sky and you see the sun, the moon, and the stars moving across it. A Greek named Aristarchus of Samos in the 3rd century said the planets went around the sun, not the Earth, but no one believed him. But he was right. Why didn't anyone believe him? Poor Aristarchus. Because although he could explain it, he couldn't show them, and he didn't have the telescope that people needed to see it to believe it. In 1593, the idea was brought up again by Copernicus. So did Copernicus finally prove it? Well, a lot more people believed him because he had the math, but he still didn't have the telescope to show them. So a lot of people still didn't believe him either. Hmm... I guess math was kind of important then. Well, when did the telescope get invented? In 1608, a lens maker named Lippershey designed the first telescope, and in 1609, Galileo invented his own telescope. He used it to discover four moons around Jupiter, and he showed that Venus went through phases just like our moon does. It was the phases of Venus that finally proved the sun was at the center. In Hindu mythology, Soma represents the god of the moon. He rides through the sky in a chariot drawn by white horses. Soma was also the name of a drink that gave the gods immortality. They would never die. Only the gods could drink it, though. The moon was thought to be where the drink was stored up. When the gods drank the Soma, it is said that the moon wanes or gets smaller because the gods are drinking it away. Anyway, how come it was the phases of Venus that proved the sun, not the Earth, was at the center? The sun being at the center of the solar system explained everything that they were just seeing through their telescopes. Skip, Galileo's explanation was the better explanation. Is that why people are always complaining that scientists seem to be changing their minds all the time? Probably private. Or maybe people just like to complain. Old people, you know. 
Like okay, you. so sometimes we have to wait for technology to provide us with the means to discover the truth about something we thought we knew. Like uh, how the invention of the microscope led us to discover bacteria caused some diseases, not evil spirits. So tell me, people must have been really happy that Galileo finally solved that question. No, Skip. Galileo got the Catholic Church really mad at him. He was ordered not to talk about... Copernicus's theory, and they threatened to kill him if he did. They put them under house arrest to make sure he didn't communicate any of his ideas with anyone else. Those people are loco. But he had the proof. All he had to do was look at his discoveries to know he was right. Skip, I told you, old people, they really do hate to change their minds and admit they were wrong. The church finally did admit Galileo was right, but it took them 350 years. Come on. On, people! But what about poor Pluto? Oh, yeah. You know that once something is invented, people then try to make it better and better? Yeah, Galileo's telescope could only magnify things 20 times. Today's telescopes can magnify thousands of times and are very, very clear. Which, by the way, is the most important feature of a telescope. Why? Well, it doesn't matter if you can magnify something a thousand times if all you get is a big blur at the end. Right, so getting back to Pluto, better telescopes led to the discoveries of very, very small, very, very far away objects. In the early 1990s, astronomers began finding many icy worlds orbiting the sun in a donut-shaped region called the Kuiper Belt, way, way past the orbit of Neptune, at where Pluto is. So... Well, when they looked in the Kuiper Belt, they found thousands of icy bodies, and some scientists said it is more useful to think of Pluto as a big Kuiper Belt object instead of a planet. Okay, so then what happened? In 2005, a team of astronomers announced that they had found a tenth planet in the Kuiper Belt about the same size as Pluto. It was then people began to wonder, just what is a planet anyway? The answer to that question didn't seem so obvious anymore, and there were plenty of disagreements about it. So what was decided? The International Astronomical Union, a worldwide organization of astronomers, took on the challenge of classifying those new objects. In 2006, they came up with a new category called a dwarf planet, and they called the object that was discovered Eris. Today, there are five recognized dwarf planets, Eris, Ceres, Pluto, Haumea, and Makemake. They think there may be hundreds more in the Kuiper Belt. So what is the definition of a dwarf planet? The definition they came up with is this. A dwarf planet is a celestial body that A. is in orbit around the sun, B. has enough gravity to assume a nearly round shape, C. has not cleared the neighborhood around its orbit, and D. is not a satellite like our moon or the moons of other planets. Okay, I get it. If all those types of objects are planets, then we would end up with hundreds of planets in our solar system and would make a test on the names of the planets really, really hard. Not funny, Skip. Kind of funny, Private. Some scientists still disagree, though. But that is good. It stimulates a healthy debate. What's an unhealthy debate? Well, things like name-calling, insulting the person you disagree with, lies, and making up facts. Okay, one, I name-call you all the time, two, I insult you all the time, and three, what do you mean by making up facts? <laughs> Very funny, Private. Some people are so interested in winning a discussion that they make up evidence to support what they're saying. That's wrong. They say it's just their First Amendment right to freedom of speech. But I believe what someone once wrote, you have the right to your own opinion, but you do not have the right to your own facts. 
Note to our listeners, I did try to find out without much luck who said that. If someone out there knows who first said it, please send the answer and a link to the source to skipper at scienceisfunny.com. Maybe you'll win a t-shirt. Or private at scienceisfunny.com. Much rather me than this old guy over here. Okay, so now you know why Pluto isn't a planet anymore. But Skipper, where did all the planets come from? Rocks. Rocks? Seriously? Rocks are boring. (laughs) Yep, but do you remember the episode where we talked about where everything comes from? Sort of. Yeah, it had to do with the sun or something. Right. Inside the sun and all the stars in the universe, there's a process going on called nuclear fusion. And nuclear fusion is creating all the elements that everything is made of. Wait, wait. You're trying to tell me that rock came in from inside the sun? Hold on, I'm getting there. You see, suns and stars only exist for a while, and when they die, many explode, sending all those elements out into space where they cool and become hard chunks you might call rocks. So, how exactly do these make a planet? It's gravity. I remember talking about gravity. You said stuff creates it? That's right, and those rocks are made of stuff, or matter. And because they are matter, they also have gravity. Gravity which attracts other rocks to them, making bigger rocks, which attract more and more rocks. See where I'm heading? If they kept that up for a long time, make a very, 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 very big rock. Yes, a very big rock called a planet. It might take millions of years, but the universe is very old, and it happens all the time. I recently read that many scientists now believe that most stars and suns have planets around them. You said that there were billions of suns in our galaxy, so would that mean there are billions and billions of planets? Could any be like Earth and have life on them? Definitely. Almost positively. But don't think that having life is the same as having people. Why? Well, we're the result of millions of mistakes called mutations in our DNA that controls the life on this planet. The chances that those same mistakes could occur at the same time and place in another planet's life forms is astronomically high. We can talk more about that in a later episode. Okay, I know that the bigger planets are farther away from the sun than the smaller ones. How come? Well... The smaller planets, like Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars, have a lot of iron and heavy elements. So when the star exploded, the heavy stuff wasn't thrown out into space as far as the lighter stuff. The larger planets, like Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune, have a lot of the lighter elements. They're called gas giants because they have a thick atmosphere and, for the most part, very, very cold. How do you remember their names? I use a mnemonic, which is a memory helper. There are a lot of them, and you can use one or make up your own. Like what? Well, some people used to use, my very educated mother just served us nine pizzas. Mmm, pizza. Today, you can use, my very educated mother just served us noodles. M in my for Mercury, V in very for Venus, E in educated for Earth, M in mother for Mars, J in just for Jupiter, S in serve for Saturn, U in us for Uranus, and N in noodles for Neptune. The trick is, the funnier they are, the easier they are to remember. Or you could just make up a song about them or make up your own mnemonic. How about, many velociraptors eat megafauna, Julie sits under Neanderthals. 
Really? I don't think so. I think I'll use my very educated mother just served us noodles. I think she actually made some for me for dinner tonight. I love noodles. <laughs> okay. The only important thing is to make it funny, stupid, or gross. For some reason, our brains remember those things pretty easily. You fit all three, so I think I'll make one up about you. Hey. Oh, and the funny part? I think those are actually uncle jokes. Hey, it's not funny, Private. Very funny, Skip. Haha. <laughs> That's our podcast for this week. Come back next week for another episode of Science is Fun E. Oh, and don't forget to visit our website at www.sciencesfune.com or listen on iTunes, Google Music, Podbean, or just search for Science is Fun E in your favorite podcast app. To suggest possible topics for upcoming episodes, email topics at sciencesfune.com. And remember our contest for t-shirts... Five people to send in topics for me and Skipper to discuss, and we choose it, gets a t-shirt. You could email me at private at sciencesfune.com. I'm really looking forward to you sending in an email for me. Or Skipper at sciencesfune.com, I guess. (laughs) I'm Private, a.k.a. Avery Adams, hoping you have a great week. TTYL.